Hi. How are you doing? How are you doing? I mean, I'm better now that I'm with you. Yes, yes. Great. Thank you for the invite as well. Of course. I mean, right now, I feel like, thank God for technology that we get to be connected to people. Exactly, exactly. What would we do without this? Well, because know? we can't physically touch people, right? I mean, I see people in my building, even just who I love, who are my neighbors, and I have to kind of, oh, it's so good to see you. And we do like the air, air hug from six feet yeah. away, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of awkward, though. It's kind of awkward. It's like, what do you do now when you see like old friends? Or what do you see when you see like strangers that you haven't seen in a while? Or yeah. You know, so, uh, so, and you yeah. don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, right? So exactly, exactly. exactly. It's a whole new, whole new way of uh, of of the world and the great awakening, as you and it I is. talked it about is. earlier today. So um, let's say a welcome, welcome to the twenty and twenty co working edition. This is where we ask twenty questions in twenty ish minutes. Michael will probably go about thirty minutes or so. Generally, my <laughs> guests are incredibly effusive and. You know, there's a lot to say and a lot to talk about, of course, in the in the world always, but especially right now. So the intention is to leave people feeling uplifted, inspired, informed. I'm your host, Lisa Skyhane. My guest today is Micah B. Lewis, founder of My Bag Check, uh, creative curator of the Village Collective, which we'll talk more about in just a minute. So yes. in this particular edition of 20 and 20 and during the month of June, I'm connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, and of course, most importantly, our co-working members who help us to pay the bills. Uh, we're learning how together we will weather this storm. You know, co-working as a, a, as a concept has been around for over a decade, executive office suites for 30, 40 plus years. And our industry, like many industries, has been hit incredibly hard by this pandemic. And, and so I think co-working ultimately will thrive and survive. But the question is, how do we get there? So that's some of, some of what we'll talk about here today. So welcome to the, to the show, Micah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, oh, my pleasure. Yeah. So, um, Micah, you are originally from Florida, like me. You're what? What? Yes. Northern Florida, Jacksonville. North Florida. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say yeah. I'm I'm a West Palm Beach girl, Southern Florida. You studied at the University of Central Florida, legal studies, and then went out to California to the University of the Pacific, and you went to law school. Yeah. Did you yep, Did you take yep. the bar, pass the bar, and everything? No, I did not. No, I did not. It's something that um I definitely hated once I got in it. Um, it's not something that you take very lightly. Um, I think it's a decision that you, you really need to flesh out. But uh, yeah, I hated it as soon as I, I, I started it. So, <laughs> so, so how yeah, long did you study? I was there for two and a half years, three years. Ooh, and uh, yeah, good definitely effort. was not. Yeah, definitely was not for me. Yeah. Um, after that, I, I did go back in and stay in uh, and stay in like the legal realm. I did get my master's in criminal justice. Cause I yeah. thought I thought I wanted to be uh, a federal law enforcement agent, but again, that's something that once you get in it and you see, you're like, yeah, not for me, not for not me. For me. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, okay. So then, so you had all of this legal sort of study and criminal justice mm -hmm. study under your belt, but then mm -hmm. you ended up working in sales, I think for two decades, right? Before, yes. <laughs> before now endeavoring into the entrepreneurial space and, and yeah, on two yeah. fronts. So my bag yeah. check, you found it in 2017. It's the only on-demand bag or luggage pickup, secure storage delivery service in New York City. Um, the Village Collective, which you are a curator for and was mm -hmm. founded mm -hmm. April of last year, 2019, is a curated community of dedicated founders of diverse backgrounds, um, as you say uh, on, on your handles here and where I, where I found you, yeah. within, the, within the startup ecosystem is what it says. Yes. yes. Um, so, so you're you're riding the entrepreneurial waves right now, with the best of us, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to trying to wave, uh, trying to trying to surf through this, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. But yeah, starting back from there, I, I worked in corporate America for you know almost 20 years. You make me sound old when you say that. <laughs> I feel I'm not that old, but uh, but yeah, it's always young been at heart. Young at heart. Yes, yes. It's always been something I've been interested in, such as technology um, and, and software in particular. And uh, yeah, it, it's been interesting to see that journey and that curve before like smartphones were available. And I've been in, I started at AT&T Wireless and I started there when you couldn't even send a text message to someone who did not have AT&T Wireless service. Wow. So uh, that's how that's how long I've been in That shows technology. you how long you've been in technology, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Revealing yes. your age. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so, I so love yeah. it. Well, so let's so let's jump in, shall we? We're going to ask to you know twenty sure. questions. A lot the 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 former uh, or the latter ten are going to be lightning round, but we're going to get into some meat here for the next twenty minutes or so. Sure. Um, as you know, we talked a little bit earlier this afternoon, and and I was saying to you, you know, on top of a global pandemic right now, there's the fight against and the cry for uh, um, justice and reform and defunding the police is an amplification of black and minority voices in the country. And everything is so loud because of the access that we have to information. The social social media can be overwhelming as you and I were discussing as well. And now one of the things that I was, I was going to jump into, but I've decided to shift a little bit here. You know, the village collective is made up predominantly of people of color and and minorities and women. Um, And, and and I was going to ask you what the conversations are that you're having amongst that community now, but, you know, per the conversation you and I had earlier, the pre-chat, you know, we talked about police reform. And the question I have for you is, is there such a thing, you know, and, and what do we need to do if we want to really experience real change, Micah? Because I know you yeah. have some strong thoughts. Yes, yes. And yeah. I, I, will, I will preface this for anybody who's just now joining. I did get a master's in criminal justice. I did study this information. And, and, and so I do know a little bit. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a professor, but I do know a little bit about it. But mm-hmm. as, our, as per our conversation, a lot of people speak about reform, reform police reform. I don't think that's a, a viable thing. You can't reform something that's already broken or doesn't work for the greater population. I personally believe that for us to move forward, what needs to happen is you need to basically de- demolish the, the institution of policing as we say, and build from anew and make sure it services all different communities. Because when policing became, you know, the history of policing, they were initially slave catchers. And that's what it was. So it was basically, you know, you had Anglo-Americans, you know, immigrants at the time, and then Black people and your Native Mm -hmm. Americans. And that's what the establishment that policing was built on. And you can read up the history on it if you want to do further research. But it's basically the police star and everything that's on their chest. Um, you basically had slave owners, um, wealthy people that deputized um, people to go out and catch slaves. And so, therefore, how can you change that if it was never servicing the community as a whole? So my opinion is, is that you need to tear it all down and start from there. And I think one of the first steps is to really go into community policing. So, you know, per our conversation, you know, I live up here up north now in, in Hoboken, and we're only one square mile. There should be no reason why police officers are driving around in SUVs, militarized vehicles. I mean, you could walk the length of the city, you know, within 30 minutes. So why not have all the police on bikes um, or walking beat paths here to really understand and, and know who's in the community as well? And I think that's what every community needs to take a look at. New York did it for a while with their walking uniform cops after 
Um, but it's kind of, it, it, you don't see them as much anymore, but I think that's something that communities need to get back to. Well, and also one of the things that, we're, that you mentioned that we're seeing right now too is as, as there's a cry for, for equality that is apparently supposed to already exist in our, in our country. And, and you're, you're pointing out the fact that right now we got these incredible, the, the government is infusing so much money into military-esque protection that only continues to feed the fear in, in our citizens' minds. And there, it feeds the anxiety and, and then depression and, you know, everyone's afraid and, and all of a sudden the money is going to the wrong place. So, so I know that that's part of the whole notion of defunding the police is to put, you know, we talked about poverty, right? We yep, talked yep. about how you, you have some thoughts on how, I mean, government yeah. spending should go to the farmers. Yes. Yes. I, I feel like this. I mean, when you're looking at spending millions upon billions of dollars on police equipment, um, don't quote me on the name of the act that had happened, but basically a, a lot of our military equipment that we use for wars, mm -hmm. the surplus is given to local police, um, police departments for like pennies on the dollars. You're talking about M16s, you're talking about tanks, you're talking about tear gas and everything. Why would you want to use that on your local citizens? Why would you want to use that on any, anyone anyway? But things like that where instead of spending that money, why not look at trying to solve issues from the ground up, such as, such as food and water insecurity? We can talk about Flint. We can talk about Newark, New Jersey here, where you have a food desert where the only options, the only, only options for sustenance that people have is your McDonald's, your Wendy's, your fast food that, that's truly not healthy for you. Why not do a direct pipeline from, um, from the farms directly to the tables of these people that need it and use that $68 billion that's spent on SNAP and EBT and all the other food substance um, supplement programs, why not have that go into the farmers in a cyclical system? Um, that's just my thoughts. Again, if I was running for, for Congress or anything else of the sort, these would be some of the platforms I'd be talking about. hundred percent. We have a friend of mine, Nikki just joined who's a, a I don't want to discredit her in any way. I think she's a doctor, but you know, health and nutrition and, and you know, talk about what happens to people psychologically when you start to feed them well, by the way, you know, and yeah, yeah. Um, you think more clearly and more positivity can naturally happen in the in the world around us. You know, I, I mentioned to you that documentary Michael Moore put together, which is sort of confusingly named Where Do We Invade Next, which isn't about invading at all. It's about going to other countries in the world and looking at their best social and education systems. And, you know, Portugal, as I mentioned to you, took, yeah. made all drugs legal and it drastically reduced their crime rate as an example and somewhere in northern europe and the netherlands the, the 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 jail attendants so to speak don't have weapons they use their words to control the inmates and what a yeah. i mean that's a, a radical well, difference from well, what we have now. well even well even mentioning like jails in, in in particular like what's the purpose of of, of jails when you're thinking about it like, I think we should be pumping more, more money into our social services, such as the educational system, such as rehabilitation, because that's one of the things that jail is supposed to, you know, do, but it, it's not. It's not happening. I mean, we have here in New York, Rikers Island, where you have, you're basically just shuttling people away for a few years, and they're coming out there. They're, when they are released, if they are released, they're coming out there worse than they when they went in. Um, and there's many stories about that out of Rikers. So I think that, you know, instead of keep on pushing money or taxpaying dollars towards those things, we should be looking at more 
sustainable ways for the future, not just for, for the short term that's in there and invest in those programs as well. And I implore anybody that's listening to this as well too. I mean, use the power of the vote to go in there and vote someone in that's gonna be, tomorrow. that's gonna align with your ideology as well. So. 100% tomorrow, I, I will be voting tomorrow morning. Okay, so tell us more about the Village Collective. How has it, what is it how, in your words and sure. how has it evolved over the last year? Sure, that's, that's great that you asked that question, what is it? Um, so when I thought about this, um, it was over a year ago, um, was literally just sitting down and I knew the troubles that I had, you know, not only navigating through corporate America, but when I started my own company with my bag check, if you can't tell, I have a pretty, pretty outgoing personality and I still had struggles making those connections and doing different things. So I can only imagine some of the introverts that have great ideas, but don't know how to get those things out there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it just, it literally started off at, you know, a WeWork and I know, I know, uh, I know you're a veteran of WeWork, but, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we started out our WeWork one morning, decided to get together and have some breakfast and, and see how we could help one another and mm -hmm. literally had no mission, no edict or anything else of the sort. It was more of like, hey, let's get together and see how we can help one another. And right. that's how that's how it's evolved over the last 15 months. I mean, I haven't even incorporated it as a company or anything else of the sort. And now it's grown to over 100 plus members. Um, where we were, you know, not only meeting twice a month to, for, for breakfast, to network with one another, share resources, whether it be introductions, yep. whether it be, you know, our expertise in our certain fields, um, mm -hmm. to our happy hours that we had, where um, I invited you to come speak at one of those yeah. um, that we had before a lockdown happened. Yeah. So in, the, in, the, in the good old days of meeting in person. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Coming so, on the spot yeah. with Leslie Short. Woo. Yes. Leading yes. that diversity and inclusion <laughs> panel. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it, so it's grown organically since, since then. And it's, it's kind of morphed into a resource for underrepresented founders, um, as well as entrepreneurs and people who want to step into, you know, the startup space as well. So we've done some really great things. Um, you know, some of our, some of our, some of our members have, have, have um, used it to further their companies and their, and, and, and get on and get corporate clients. So, um, so yeah, we're just going to continue to grow it. And, and during this uh, pandemic, we've been, you know, we've been staying in touch with the latest issues by having weekly webinars. So um, nice. So, yeah, yeah, we, we have talk about Brown Girls Unite down here chiming in and saying the webinars yeah. are very engaging. So yes, awesome. Yes, yes. Good. So here's my next question for you. Speaking of that panel that Leslie Short moderated that you put together, and I was one of the, I think, five people on the panel, uh, topic was diversity and inclusion. How do you think that leaders can drive stronger company culture by taking a look at diversity and inclusion? Well, I think it's, it's the breadth of what society is. So I think it's taken off the blinders. And, and a lot of them say, well, you know, don't, definitely don't say I don't see color when I'm looking at hiring, but literally seek out certain demographics that you know that your 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 employee base is missing mm -hmm. um i'll just give you a quick example of that i was i'm, I'm an avid linkedin user um this mm -hmm. probably happened about a year ago there's this company out of the midwest that posted up their employee picture and in their employee picture it was probably about 40 people and they were touting how they were diverse however there was no one of color in this particular picture and they're in the wow. middle of detroit downtown detroit and it's like there's no way that you could hire 40 plus people and not find find a black or brown person in the state of, in the in the city of Detroit. 
And so again, it's starting from the bottom when you're starting a company out there, looking outside of your, your circle, looking outside of, you know, your immediate network and mm-hmm. trying to look for um, people, uh, people that are different from you because that's what's going to help, you know, you grow. That's going to give you those ideas that you weren't necessarily privy to beforehand being a part because if you're in a homogeneous you know, environment, then you won't have, you, you won't know what else is out there. So I think actively going out there, putting a plan in place to seek out that diversity and sticking to it. Yeah, love it. Um, so, you know, in co-working, because you are a community curator here. So in co-working, many operators, including, including myself, we, we talk about and we market our thriving community and we use the word community. Um, what do you think truly makes a community thrive? Um, interaction. I think it's interaction. And also I think it's, it's, it's having events and, and setting up spaces and time that people can interact with one another. Um, I think that's what brings a community together. Um, and that's what, that's, what's needed to create a community as well, too, is you having, you having, um, I guess, uh, I guess curated, not to use the same word again, but curated spaces or events or interactions so people can bump into one another and share those ideas. I think that's the true definition of a thriving community is when I can sit next to someone that I didn't know beforehand and learn something new and we have an idea exchange and can help one another further our, you know, further whatever we're doing. Yeah, I, I will tell you from my experience, you know, having built community, so to speak, in BNI, the global networking organization I was a part of for a long time. And then with WeWork in the beginning, opening their first two locations, and now with my own own business, I, I think that building community takes a lot of legwork. I think it really takes, uh, and there's nothing that beats a one-to-one personal invitation also. So you have these sort of, you're saying, cur- using the word curated, or we could say custom tailored events that are, are, um, specific to a particular topic and then taking that topic or looking at the curated event and saying, who do I really think this could add value to? And then reaching out to them and getting them to, to engage. But I find that building the community, at least, you know, in the very beginning, especially really takes a lot of that. It takes energy and effort and engage yeah. and engagement coming back to one of the first words I think you use there. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and you have to be purposeful about it too, as well. I mean, just speaking from like corporations as a whole, I know that's now the new thing, like everybody's trying to engage diversity and everything. It's about being purposeful with mm-hmm. what you're doing and not just doing it from the outside optics, but actually doing it because you feel that's the right thing to do. And you mm-hmm. feel that diversity is where you want to go. And I think through that is where the community is built around a shared idea. And with the Village Collective, it's a shared idea to highlight, you know, underrepresented founders, uh, first generation um, immigrants that, that don't know the culture here or don't know the, the ways and the means of doing business here in the States. And I, I think that's what, at least that's what the community that we, we, we are built around is that um, power and diversity. So mm-hmm. I, I love it. it. Yep. Um, so let's talk about, well, you know, before I ask you a little bit about my sure. bag check, let's talk for, for another moment about co-working. What do you think that the next six to 18 months is going to be like in the, in the workspace world, you know, do you, and do you think that there's something more specific that leaders can be doing to keep that community cohesive while we're in this work from home, ease back into the office space time? Yeah. So I don't, I mean, it's interesting. I don't think traditional work will look the same as it has looked in the past. Yeah. I think this is the same. I think this is an inflection point, the same as when Henry Ford on the 40 hour work week 
what we're seeing now through you know this pandemic and everything and get back into the office is going to be completely different um and i think uh i think that operators such as yourself and co-working spaces have to be have to be creative in how they do that um i would see i foresee a world where a big company say like mastercard that can go back in and have their all have all their employees in one office or what you can do is allow your employees to go and work from wherever they want to work. So for example, if I wanted to get an individual desk, I work for a big corporation, I want to get an individual desk at a co-working space, mm-hmm. I could do that. And I don't have yep. to be tied to this particular co-working space, being in part, be- I mean, this particular office space, being in part because all I really need is my laptop, um, access to Wi-Fi, um, and a quiet place to may t- maybe able to take calls or meetings at. That's all I need. And I think mm-hmm. people are kind of tired of being in their house as well, too. So I yeah. think in the next 12 to 18 months, that's what it's going to be like. Um, it's going to be somewhat similar to, uh, uh, I don't know, here in New York, you got Soho House and some of these other houses. But I yeah. think it's going to be a little bit more curated on the community side of things yeah. where it's more for it's more not just for creatives or anything else, but it's more for your everyday employee that's tired of taking that Zoom call, uh, you know, at their kitchen table and want to have people around them and have that noise and have that interaction and have that, that water cooler talk um, for other people. And I think all businesses will actually benefit from this as well too, being in part because you're gonna have outside ideas that are being transferred that no one thought about before. So I think that's what the future of work looks like if I was, make, if I was a betting person. Totally. I would, definitely, I would definitely take a look at it from that aspect. You know, it's so wild. You literally have just reiterated essentially the concept that was presented by the CEO of Industrious. Have you heard of this brand, Industrious? <laughs> I've heard of in- Industrious. Industrious yeah. is on the coattails, so to speak, of WeWork. You know, at least here in the United States, they have 100 locations or so. And Jamie Hodari, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, uh, just put out a, a a memo on LinkedIn that he put out to the company presenting this concept of work from anywhere. And it's four pronged. And number one, he said that big companies like MasterCard, for you used as an example here, will want some sort of headquarters where they can, if they need to, and when they need to bring their employees together. But number two, they'll have satellite office access locations that in order to reduce the commute time for their employees, but their employees who need to get out of the house, they'll go somewhere to an office where they can be on their computer, be on their phone, get their business done. And then there'll be some sort of work from home component. And then the technology is, is the fourth prong that will be critical, being able to keep everyone connected via Zooms or, um, you know, the other the other technologies that are out there. So, yeah. Micah, I think there's a future for you here in Office Space <laughs> Manager is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you okay. never know. So let's talk about my bag check. How did you come up yeah. with this idea for my bag check? Oh, funny story with that. So um, I've lived all over the world. I've um, all over the country as well, too. And I've traveled to a lot of places. Um, so I, when I moved up here four years ago, um, I was literally leaving from work one day, had my personal laptop on me, had my work laptop on me, had stopped at a shoe store and bought a pair of shoes. And then if you know New York, um, it's like around four o'clock around this time of the year too. So it's pretty hot outside. And a friend calls me up and says like, Hey, let's go grab a drink. And I probably two blocks from the bar. So I had all this crap in my hand and I was like, all right, one drink. So I get to the bar and, um, yeah, I just, <laughs> if you've ever been to a, a busy bar in New York city, like, it's like, what do I do with my bags here? And you gotta keep yeah. an eye on them. Cause they could literally grow feet and walk out of the door. So I wasn't really having a good time. And I thought to myself, I go, you know what? I would actually pay someone to take this back 
to my apartment for me. And, um, and that's where the idea, literally a eureka moment happened. I can't describe it, but it was like, like a ton of bricks hit you. Like, why didn't somebody else think of this? Um, and so I literally went home and, um, and started coding on an app. And uh, nine months later, um, you know, here it goes, here it goes nothing. Yeah. You know? So, uh, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the story. I was just tired of carrying my crap around New York City. And thought there'd be a better way. So. so, so has there been a biggest learning for you while being in business oh. with the company over the last three years? Oh. There, choose one. I know it's hard. Trust me. I know hundreds of learnings. So if I had to take one story or like one thing from it is uh, always continue to iterate. Um, I had a customer one time that said like, hey, uh, yeah, it's great. He had paid for the service already to pick his bags up and drop them off at the airport. But then he thought, like, well, hey, well, since you already use, like, so I use four hired drivers, like Ubers and Lyfts that are already out on the road. So yeah. basically, I, I, monitor, I throw it in their trunk space, I throw it in their trunk for me as a mobile locker. Mm -hmm. So they, um, this one particular customer goes, well, can I just ride with the, the Uber guy as well, too, since we're making, and I thought of that, I'm like, why didn't I think of that beforehand? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I started offering rides with the bags as well, too. So if you can imagine how that works. You know, you leave your bag at your hotel or your office down there at Wall Street, down there in yeah. Primary. And then um, you go about your day and say, hey, you're in Midtown at a meeting, but you're flying out of JFK. The driver can come to your office space, pick up your bag, pick you up, and then take you to the airport all in one trip. And it's all wow. in one cost instead of, instead of paying. So, um, yeah, that was the biggest thing that I've learned is, like, listen to my customers, for one, and always <laughs> iterate. So, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the, the major lesson I've learned. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I have actually heard that from entrepreneurs. L listen, right? And especially in this time right now, I mean, yes. our customers are giving us gold. We have to listen. Yes. Um, so so travel, I mean, nobody can leave the country right now. Probably with this administration, a lot of people want to leave the country right now for yes, good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I just about that. But what's the future of travel from your vantage point here, Micah? Well, I will say this. I mean, domestic travel is definitely going to pick back up because people are kind of tired of being in, in, their, in their homes. Um, mm -hmm. Vegas opened up, I think, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, my contacts out in Vegas were saying that lines were around the corner to, um, to get into the casinos. So people are itching to get out there. Um, mm -hmm. I think we will see something a little bit different. And not to plug my own service my bag check but what we will be able to do in somewhat the near future is be able to check your luggage from point a say new york city and the next time you see your luggage is at you know your destination um at your hotel or, or your hotel or your hotel as well wow. too so um so yeah i think that's going to be the future of travel where you're you're literally um, you're having everything at your, at your fingertips, but, um, uh, but rest mm -hmm. assured travel will come back. Um, 9-11 happened and then travel came back. Um, it's just going to take a little bit more for the international travel to happen, but local travel is happening in certain countries. Um, I, know, uh, I know Spain and Mexico, people are, people are traveling. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I have an, another question here on LinkedIn. Okay. I saw you mention this go giver ideology that you subscribe to. Can yeah, you yeah. tell us more about that? So I will say this, I read this book, it's called The Go-Giver. Um, I read this book probably about seven or eight years ago and it's a very small read. So I advise anyone who's out there to go and check this book out. 
but basically it's about it's 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 almost like subservient leadership you know not putting yourself not not basically patting yourself on the back but make sure you uplift others um and from a sales model it works when i'm trying to look out for your best interests at heart and not just what i'm going to get paid if i'm trying to sell you something then everyone wins in that scenario and i think that that life having that having that frame of mind in life helps you as well too where you're looking out for everyone else's um, uh, best interest before your own best interests, And, you know, that's the creation of the Village Collective. With that, I felt that I could, you know, help others before I look at helping myself and the way the world works, it always comes back to you tenfold. So, uh, you know, I, I tell, I, I think everyone else should subscribe to the same um, mentality yeah. as well. What goes around comes around. It's not always directly reciprocal, but you know, if I put it out, it will come back to me in some way or another. I subscribe to that also big time. What's the best thing to happen to you this year? I want to know. And then we're going to the lightning round. Let's see the best thing that happened to me this year. Um, there's some partnerships that I have. Ooh. Just want to give you a quick <laughs> yeah, uh, preview no, no, no. of the car on my street. <laughs> no, Technology. Yeah. <laughs> There's some there's some great partnerships I'm working on right now that are going to be life changing for my bag check as well as for the Village Collective as well too. So I can't speak about them now, but uh, but yeah, these are things I've been working on, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about them. I I will release it. <laughs> so the best thing happening to you this year, the big secret is what that you're is. Saying. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Cool. Well, we can't wait for your big reveal. Yes. You ready for the lightning round? Sure. Let's All go. right. Here we go. Micah, rename the coronavirus for us. A blessing. Mm, a blessing. That's the first one like that. I like that. Yes. yes. What's the best advice that you've ever gotten? Best advice that I've ever gotten. Hmm. I would say it's my, my mom always tells me I can't judge people the way I judge myself. Basically by the same standards. I can't judge other, others by the standards that I live by. And that's, uh, that's the best advice I've, I've, I've gotten in life. And that's something I always subscribe to as well. Hmm, I like that. So where are you turning right now for inspiration, uh, not related to you? Turning for inspiration. Um, does that have to be a person or can it be? No, no, no. anyway. Um, books, um, uh, books. So I'm rereading right now, The Alchemist. Yeah, um, I've read it multiple times. And another one as well is The Art of War as well, too, which is one of my favorite books. Um, it's, a, it's a great business book. So it's yeah. not, that's, it, it can be, and, and for life and in general as well, too, I think it's a great, it's a great manual for life. Um, so yeah, those are two books that I'm rereading. I think you're the second person in the last 50 interviews I've done that said The Art of War. That's the second time that's come up now. Um, early Bird or Night Owl? Uh, both, if I need to be. Both. Okay. So, How many hours a, a night do you sleep usually? Um, on average, probably about four to five. Woo! You're one of those. Yeah. Dang, I cannot four. do that. All right. Well, you look well rested and vibrant. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's thank good. You. It's working for you. Whatever you're doing. Thank uh, you. What's your favorite word? My favorite, as well. I say. I notice. I say that a lot. So I think that's my favorite word is as well. <laughs> I like it. I like it that as well in it. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite travel destination? My favorite. So I have a top three. I don't have a favorite. So okay. it's obviously South Africa. Mm. Um, mm. I, I do implore anyone that's listening, take a trip to South Africa. It's a magical place. Um, number two. Where, is where, in, where in South Africa, by the way? Joburg. I love okay. Johannesburg. 
Um, Second place is Brazil. I've been there more than a handful of times. I love that place. It is a place I would move to if I had the opportunity to. And then third would be Thailand. I love Mm -hmm. Thailand. So yeah, yeah, top three places. Awesome. Um, What's your favorite business book or podcast? I know you just gave us a reveal with The Art of War and uh, Alchemist, but do you have a podcast that you go to also? So um, uh, yes, Um, How I Built This with Guy Raz. So it's... It's, 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 I think it's the best thing that's out there. It's inspirational and seeing some of the struggles that other entrepreneurs have gone through before they came out at the other end of it fires me up to keep going as well. Yeah, it makes you feel justified every time you exactly. listen to the episode, right? I agree. Exactly. Uh, what's the best TV show or movie that you've watched during quarantine the last three months? Uh, let's see, the last three months, the best one. I, I, I watched Contagion like four times when this started, so um, <laughs> I would say I, was, I just want to be prepared in case there was like a zombie apocalypse that was going to happen. So yeah. um, it's good. I watched I, it I, once. I, yeah. Yes. Good. Yes. So, I like it. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Hottest topic during the time of coronavirus is toilet paper. Micah, do you pull over or under? It's always over. Like anybody who does anything under is uncivilized. I agree. So, I agree. And I love yes. the response like that, yeah. too. Okay, last question. 2020 or 2021? Um, 2020. And the reason why I say 2020, you've got to go through the dirt. you got to go through the mud to come out on the other side. What doesn't Ooh. kill you makes you stronger. So I appreciate okay. the struggle of 2020 right now because you're going be, to be better on the other side of this. It is the blessing. The yes. words of Micah B. Lewis, exactly. coronavirus exactly. is the blessing. Yes. Um, so everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, Micah. Thank you for being my guest. Um, everyone, please go to mybagcheck.com and you can book now on his, yes. uh, for, for any travel uh, or luggage delivery needs that you have. And also the Village Collective is the best place to check you out there on LinkedIn, maybe? Yeah, LinkedIn. And we do have our website up as of yesterday, but I still have it. Still haven't put all the pictures and everything up there yet, but, um, okay. but yeah, it's, moving it's in the right direction. It's, yeah. it's become a real big thing, right? So it you is, have to make it, it official is. with the website. I Congratulations! Had I had to. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. It's always so good to connect with you. You are a light, Thank and God. I uh, I adore you. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Talk everyone. Have a good good evening on this Monday. Take care.